It's a new day. Yes, it is. Welcome to the greatest podcast of all time, which is entitled The New Day. Xavier Woods. And I am Big E. Used to be Langston. Now it's just Big E. They ran out of letters for your boy. <laughs> I thought you were going to go on with it. That's yeah, it. That's that's it. That, was, that was it. Okay, that was I was over, yeah. And I am Kofi Kingston. Uh, and before we introduce our fantastic guest for today, uh, we just wanted to uh, say something real quick about this this draft and this, this whole situation of us not being on the same show anymore. And we want to let y'all know the podcast will still continue on strong. Podcast lives on. Yes. The podcast will live on. Always. It'll continue. I don't know. Is it strong? It'll continue. Uh, well, it'll continue. Yeah. It's, it's, it's strong. strong. Yeah. I think I'm planning on petering out, if that's okay with you guys. Yeah. Yeah, yeah that's fine. It's right, right, right. Let yeah. us know so we can do like a big like, hurrah, last one. No, uh, I mean, I'll be here. I'll be here. But I'm just saying... I mean, I might phone it in. Like, I mean, <laughs> let's be have honest. We, have we not been? Have we not been? Uh, right, 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 right. right. At least I'm just saying, <laughs> I don't want to promise strong when I'm okay. coming real, real weak to the paint. That's, uh, okay, know. that's fair. But your, your, your weak is my strong, so. Oh, wow. Nah, nah, man. It ain't all that. See that? See that? Uh, uh, I appreciate that. I appreciate that. Wow. But wow. A, man, a man who's always been strong mm, just is joining strong. us today. So there's there's some people who know him as uh as, as an announcer and they don't know about his past, his experience inside of the ring, cracking skulls, doing damage to muchos personas. And that's what gives him this knowledge when he's on commentary to be able to call matches with the intensity, the fervor, the love, the passion that he does. Ladies and gentlemen, one of the greatest announcers of our generation, we give to you Byron. Saxton. Wow. Yes. Wow. Yeah. That was an introduction. Yes. <laughs> and by the way, I'm requesting now to be known as Byron the Skullcracker Saxton. Ooh. <laughs> That's all you. Right I dig it. That's all right you. Uh, you. Also, you, you might be the godfather of the New Day because, yeah. as we've said on this podcast before, the uh, antecedents for the New Day was the plan. Yes. And I can't even remember whose idea was it for the plan. So the plan was a faction, Byron Saxton, me and Woods when we were, when we were in FCW and it never, we got to do it in promo practice. We were so excited about it and never really saw the light of day on any shows. I don't think we did any good. shows together. It was so good. But that was in 2014. That was what sparked the idea for the new day. So it, honestly, if we hadn't done that when we were in FCW, who knows where my career would be, where Woods would be. Kofi would still be fine, I'm sure. But uh, <laughs> hey. do, you, do you remember, Sax, 
how we even, because I don't remember why or how we got to starting. I think so. I don't have the best memory in the world, you know, because you know what promo day was like. Like this was one of those cases where, you know, you had several, you know, talented individuals like yourselves who were down in FCW. And it's like, hey, we're throwing stuff against the wall. Let's give it a shot and see what happens. And we all had, you know, still have very distinctive personalities. And I thought it created a very good mesh. It was great. So the, the plan uh, for those of you who, who aren't so privy to it was the people's liberation of American nationalism. Uh, and it was a situation where we all, like Byron was saying, we all tried to stay in one certain lane of like one type of guy. So like I was like I was like the smallest guy of the group. So like I was the extreme hothead because I was the one who was yelling and ah, come on. And he was the muscle. Saxon was like the calm collected. It's funny. So uh, I, I don't know if you remember, uh, there was one day we were supposed to do a promo. Couldn't be there, but oh. I remember going to FedEx oh. and I had a, a blow up photo made of myself. <laughs> yes, right. Yeah. Yes. Which I still have in my house to this day. No. <laughs> yes. Uh. <laughs> Every time I look at it, like if somebody sees it, like, oh, you really love yourself. I'm like, no, 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 you don't understand. There's a story behind it. I don't, I don't just have a blow up photo of myself. Trust me. Right. Like, why, why is your own signature on it, though? <laughs> yeah. Uh, my niece, but, it wasn't me. Uh-huh. <laughs> but that's where the uh, the white and red suit that was where we all wore white and red uh, during the promos. I think we probably only did that for what, like a month or so. Uh, we actually, at one point, we thought we were going to get called up in the gimmick. Was it? Or was it was something where we started? Maybe it wasn't that. I think it was something where there was a similar faction. I think there was a faction with uh, Camacho before he was Camacho, Punico, Primo Epico. Yeah. Yes. And then we were told, I think they were too, we were too similar to them. And then the, we were just kind of were like, they were like, hey, shut this down. Something <laughs> yeah, like that. I'm, I remember. So it yeah. was, yeah, it was kind of the gang-like implication and they were trying to stay away from that. And so it kind of gotten blown up. But it was crazy after that first promo. I remember Dusty was like, yes. <laughs> yep. Yep. <laughs> That's it. Do that. And we're like, yeah. But Dusty loved like controversial mm-hmm. characters. He loved controversial storylines that were going to push the edge and, 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 you know, make you think a little bit and make you a little uncomfortable. Like, you thrived on that. Man, that, that would have been a lot of fun. I wish we got at least, like, a house show run yeah. um, just, just to have some fun with the faction. But uh, it's wild to think that whatever we did in, what, probably 2011, to around there, I would assume, um, that set the stage for the New Day in 2014. And uh, legit was, uh, it, was one of the, it was one of the first things that I did in, that I got to mess around with that I felt was, okay, this is unique, where I got to think outside of the box of just being angry big guy. And uh, it was cool to just be able to, just, I remember just some of those conversations with the four of us, where we would put stuff together, but those conversations with the four of us, um, it's, it's a different dynamic now with the three of us in the New Day, um, because it's a lot more, you know, free-spirited, it's uh, light, uh, and the plan was was pretty heavy stuff we were trying to poke and prod at, but it was, it was a really fun experience for me. Yeah, and that's, I mean, we were always told in developmental, like, this is going to be one of the most enjoyable parts of your career, because you really had that free reign to just do whatever, and half the time you didn't know if anybody, like, in WWE was paying attention, <laughs> but but you did it anyway, you know, and, like, to your point, some of the things that you tried and some of the ideas that you incorporated would end up being useful, you know, three, four, five years down the road. Exactly. And you were, one thing that I remember and that I enjoyed about like being in that, in that group for that, that small stint of time that we got to do it was 
I know for me, I was definitely still searching and trying to find like who I wanted to be in wrestling. Cause I had a million ideas and I felt like, well, I could do like this thing, this thing, this thing, but I wanted to like, I wanted to know for myself, like who am, who, who am I? And I felt like at that time, like, uh, Abe, but you, especially Saxon, like you were one of the guys that I looked at that you have known who you were, or you seemingly have known exactly who you were and who you wanted to be in wrestling. And that's what, that was why I was excited to work with you at that point in time. Cause I wanted to learn how to do that myself. Well, thanks for saying that. I, was, I, I wasn't so sure of myself back then, <laughs> but, uh, but I'm glad I was able to fake it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I think that's funny too, because uh, like I got that same sense. I remember um, when you first came to developmental and FCW and uh, we laugh about it now because promo day for us, was way different than promo day at the performance <laughs> center. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. So like, uh, for those who don't know, Steve Kern used to run things at FCW. And when we would have promo day, it would be us like getting into different groups. We'd go to like a random spot in Florida, like a beach or like, you know what I'm saying? Like a warehouse or just somewhere random. And then we'd be have we would have to like put together a skit essentially. I remember like, you know, before you came, like the skits that we would have, would they'd be okay. They'd be fun and different. But I distinctly remember, and actually uh, me and uh, Tyson Kidd, we still talk about this promo. The one that you had where you said your name, like, I don't know, maybe like 20 times in the course of the promo. And you'd say, oh, Brian Kelly. And you'd like turn to the camera and give like this cheesy smile and like thumbs up. <laughs> and I'm kicking myself because I feel, so I used to actually um, like take all the tapes and put them on DVD for Kern. And I would always keep an extra DVD. So I have all of those somewhere, you know? So I got to like search through all the footage and like find it. But I remember even then realizing just like how, uh, how versatile you were and like how, just articulate on the mic and precise you were. And even though like the subject matter we were talking about wasn't like the most intricate or, or like, um, you know, like serious, you could tell that you had something special on the mic that like nobody else at that point had, you know? So um, it's interesting to see like, you know, you, you, you come down the line and now here you are, of course, you're a color commentator, of course, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Because like, you're just so articulate on the mic in that way and um, able to, uh, just, you know, go off the cuff and go off the fly and make things sound so natural. So um, it's cool to see just your, uh, your, your progression because you spent, you spent some time in developmental, you know, from yeah. like original old school FCW <laughs> all the way up until, you know, how, how long were you in there for? I was so uh, in total uh, down in FCW, I got there in 2007 and I didn't go on the road, uh, you know, full time till like 2015 ish. So, I mean, <sighs> it was, it was a minute. Oh my God. Oh my God. It was, I mean, you know, my time there, of course, like there, I had a couple stints on the road. So, you know, two years in, um, I went on the road and I did ECW for a couple months. Yeah. I never like left developmental. And then I came back and then it was NXT, like the old NXT when it was like the reality show kind of deal. Wild uh, and real. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, wow. Yeah. <laughs> um, gosh, that was a stressful time. Oh, I bet. Oh. Well, I want to hear all about that. Yeah. <laughs> But uh, just coming back and forth. But by the time I was like on the road, on the road, then yeah, it, it, had, it had been a while. Yeah, man. What was your what was your mentality going through that? Because I know a lot of people, they would crack. And a lot of people did crack being there that long and like not knowing just like if the fruits of your labor are ever going to pay off because you're down there trying your ass off. You know what I'm saying? And like you were saying, like, you don't know if anybody 
is even seeing this or anybody. So what was your like, how did you, how did you like navigate that? What was your mental process in getting through it? And I credit Dusty a lot and, and Dr. Thomas, Steve Kerr and everybody for, for allowing me just to do so many different things. Like, you know, when I came in, I came in strictly as a wrestler. Like my, my first match was, believe it or not, against Seamus. Uh, you know, at, at that little club called Berber Street, we used to run every That's Tuesday right, night. Berber Street. <laughs> you survived. Yes. You're still here. Um, but then, you know, we started doing FCW TV. So Dusty's like, hey, I want you to be a commentator. Um, next, you know, he's like, hey, I want you to be a manager. So I had my whole stable of guys yeah. in FCW called the conglomerate, you know. And then next, you know, um, you know, I'm ring announcing on NXT, like when it, you know, became the NXT as we know today. So I think, uh, don't get me wrong, I got frustrating at times and you question yourself because you're human, but at the same time, I always knew, all right, like I'm not going to have the chance to get bored because I've got to apply myself mentally towards a different job every single time. <laughs> so I think I was blessed in, in that form and just kept rolling in my career. Even though I was in developmental, I, I felt like it was always evolving. So it made it a little easier for me to digest that way. When, and when I first got there, so I was buddies with um, Lance Archer from when we were cool at TNA. And I remember he was like one of the guys that I knew there and he was buddies with you. And you guys, I jumped, you guys let me jump in the car with you to like go to the first show. And that was the first time that I really like experienced all that is Byron Saxton. And <laughs> <laughs> with the, with the uh, dietary restrictions that, that a man such as yourself puts on yourself. Could you, could you talk about what your diet was like going through developmental? I mean, listen, I, people always get on me about how I eat. And to me, <laughs> my philosophy is this, okay. It doesn't matter what you intake, as long as you know what you're taking in calorically, uh, fat content wise, protein, carbs, it's going in the same place. So people would give me funny looks. I'm having like, you know, cod with oatmeal, putting mustard on, save like, I don't know, my tofu or whatever. Like it all goes in the same place. So while you may look at me and go, oh, that looks funky. That smells weird. I'm going, this is my delicacy. And it makes me happy. <laughs> so I look at it. Like I go, you know, one of my things, you know, some people get really angry. Like I remember one time, uh, I think I was in Cleveland and I stopped at a Waffle House, like after a show, as many of us do. And my standard uh, operating procedure when it comes to breakfast food is to order 14 egg whites. So, you know, I, I walk into this Waffle House and of course um, I place my order. The waitress gives me a funny look, but now she has to communicate this order to the guy who's actually going to make my eggs. And I could tell by his body language already, he was having a rough night. So <laughs> she informs him, you know, uh, sir, yeah, he, he wants 14 egg whites. 14 egg whites? And he's yelling at her. Because, <laughs> and I'm sitting there, and I'm like, oh boy, this is not going to end well. And I actually offered to go back there and help crack the eggs. Poor guy. He's like, he's got to be like 60 plus years old. He's got a bad hip, you know. Like, walking out with all these eggs in his hand is crack and crack and crack. And I'm like, I'm sorry. I just, I can't put the excess fat and grease in my system. So, you know, maybe I'm particular, but I just think I'm protecting my temple. Well, <laughs> I just feel like he's probably like, just so, you, you know, you offering to crack the eggs? Just so insulted. How dare, now he's cracking them with eggs. <laughs> yeah. I don't need you to crack my eggs. I know how to get egg whites up. Come here, tell me how to do just, my job. To get... <laughs> I'm just trying to help the guy. I mean, you know. <laughs> oh man. My random act of kindness. <laughs> <laughs> well, with that diet, because obviously, you know, you're keeping your body in shape for, for wrestling. Uh, cause you know, we all try to look as, as good as we can. Um, but then talking about the fact that you were doing so many things in developmental, you were announcing, you were helping produce, you were doing commentary. So like, what, what is it that, that kept you going through all of that? Because I know that 
in my stint in developmental, I wasn't there as, as long as you were, but like I got in those modes of like feeling bogged down, like, okay, you know, maybe this isn't for me. I need to get out of here. But like, I would frequently, I'd frequently think about you because you, no matter what came in with a smile on your face, ready to help every single person that you could. And I, I feel like a person like that is sometimes underestimated for their, their, their skill in keeping morale high for everyone around them. Like that's, that's the definition of somebody that you want on your team, someone with the skills that you have and who has the ability to make sure that other people continue to make an attempt to grow those skills. So like, what is it? Have you always been like this or is it just something that you decided, Hey, I'm in developmental. Let me buckle down and do everything I can. Like what, what is it about you that makes you like that? I think, I mean, number one, it's my faith, you know, knowing that I'm not in control, you know, um, you know, I praise my God and thank my God for everything he's done for me and, and what he's done to guide me. And you know, when I kind of take that stress off my shoulders, I put it on his. And so it makes everything easier. Um, but, you know, when it, when it came to, you know, wrestling and developmental and, and, and this company, I think also just reminding myself of what it took to get here. Because like all of us, I mean, all of us, you know, faced adversity getting here to, to pursue our dream. And I tried to, I, I mentioned the words of, you know, Dr. Tom and Steve and Dusty, and how they would tell us that this will be the best time in your career. And I tried to take that to heart. Like, I love the camaraderie. Like, I love coming to work and, and, and seeing you Woods, or seeing you Kofi and seeing you E. Like, you know, despite the fact that maybe I was frustrated because I'm like, dude, this is like pretty cool. You know, we're not digging ditches. You know what I mean? Like, no offense to people who are digging ditches, but it's like, this is, this is cool. Like how many people can legit say they get to come to the dream job every day? Yeah, it's not perfect. Nothing in life is. But 10 years ago, before I got the WWE, five years prior, like I would have done anything. So it's just constantly uh, keeping that thought at the forefront of my head that says, dude, you're lucky to be here. Like, enjoy this. Tomorrow's not promised. Tomorrow's not given to you. What are you making of today? So you know, to this day, when I walk into a locker room, when I go to work, it's make the best of today because tomorrow is never promised. So like we said, uh, the new day sparked from essentially the plan that we were a part of in FCW with you. Um, but then you, you stayed on that journey with us as we were creating the new day because there was a time in WWE, if people don't remember, where there was the WWE app. And you could look on this phone that you have and watch the app and watch the second screen. And during that second screen, you could, uh, during commercials, keep watching matches or see skits that are happening in the back or interviews. And we would pretty much uh, beg to be on this app doing random uh, sketches together. And we, Brian, you were always our interviewer, making sure, like you're pretty much a straight man in these skits. Um, <laughs> so... <laughs> Did you ever get annoyed with us constantly? Like, hey, can you can you do this dumb thing with us? No, no, because look, I, I, again, talking about my road prior, I had been on the road three other times and taken off the road. So I was happy to do anything <laughs> and, and, and let alone do something that was fun. So like you guys were coming up, like you were, what'd you call it? You, I think you called it Smackdown Theater, right? Oh, yes, uh, yeah, theater. theater, something like that. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Theater. And you would come up with the most outlandish ideas. And I'm like, this is awesome. Like we're having fun. I don't know if anybody's watching, but it doesn't matter. Like, <laughs> you're going to let me come on the road and do this. I'm getting paid to like, just goof off with these guys, my friends. Yeah. Heck yeah. I'm in. <laughs> don't ask me twice. It's the fun goofing off the fun goofing off. Yeah. 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 
Cause I, that, remember, I mean, yeah. Oh, no, there was, there was, wasn't there was something with uh, like milk and grapes and the, grapes. I remember Sausage. that you were there. Yeah, it's just it's all grapey. And yeah, just just the dumbest. Looking back, I watch them and they make me giggle. But <laughs> there's there's no way to translate any of that to a wrestling character. And but I I love that it was just a bunch of guys and and thankfully you were cool with doing it because it's not your job. You're not, yeah. it's not your job to be there messing around with us. But I feel like just those opportunities to work together, to build camaraderie, to work on your timing together was so instrumental for us. And you were such a, a perfect like caveat and like a, a perfect vehicle, uh, a conduit is the word I was looking for, uh, for a lot of that stuff. So we appreciate you being the straight man for a lot of that stuff because that was really big for us, um, for us to be able to get more comfortable doing promos and backstages and finding what we wanted to do as a group. No, it was, it was as fun for me as it was for you because uh, again, knowing you guys for as long as I've known all of you uh, from developmental and, and to see you guys doing the app and then go through the struggles you were trying to go through to actually get the new day together and make it a thing and, and get people to buy into it. And then essentially kind of change the business, you know, especially when it comes to tag team wrestling and entertainment just in WWE alone. Like, it's like, holy moly, like a couple years ago, these guys were just struggling to get any TV time. And now you got 80,000 going nuts for you. Yeah. I, I mean, just to echo E sentiment too, I'll, I'm probably gonna say the exact same thing as he said, but like, it's instrumental, man, because, uh, at that time, like we were really just trying to like find ourselves and we wanted so desperately to be a group on TV. We didn't know quite what we wanted to do. We didn't know how it was going to come across, but the fact that you were so willing to go along with, all the shenanigans that we like put forth, like that's huge because the last thing that we wanted to like worry about was, oh, is is this other person in this video, are, are they gonna be okay with what we're saying? And now we're having to like second guess what we're saying and like what we're doing. And you just made it so easy for us to be able to, you know, like not second guess ourselves and just be our full selves and explore things that might have been good. Sometimes we, like he said, we go back and we look <laughs> at it. It probably wasn't all that good. But what it was, was just that, like that, that chemistry. And, um, you, you know, like we, we like look at ourselves now and we know that we have a chemistry that is like unmatched and without you, we wouldn't have been able to like take that step in, in building what we have that's become so special now. So, you know, de definitely just uh, eternally, eternally grateful for that, man, for sure. No, I mean, likewise, I mean, uh, to you, Kofi, I don't know if you remember, but just early in FCW, when I got there, I remember um, Dr. Tom kind of pulling you aside saying, hey, can you just get in the ring with this kid and kind of work with him a little bit? And I just remember you being so cool. I'm like, man, this guy's like top of the class. Like he's going to be gone <laughs> in no time. He, I, I actually think you might've been already uh, in ECW. And I'm like, oh my gosh, like Kobe's a big star now. And he's, he's rocking up with me and put me in a headlock. <laughs> 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 you know? Oh my gosh. Um, but but it's like, but you as and I'm Ian and Xavier, I'm sure you guys would agree. Like Kofi, you have not changed, man. You have not changed a bit. Still kind and warm. And in our industry, that can be hard to find sometimes when people attain a certain level of success. But you know, that the same guy that you were that was willing to help out a young kid just trying to find his way in this company known as WWE, uh, to now being a former WWE champion, like, dude, yeah. I I'm forever grateful. And 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 just as a group too, like you guys talk about me being a conduit for you to kind of find yourselves. Well, you've done that for me too. 
because whether it was the app, whether it's uh, on live events, you know, watching Big E doing snow angels, or <laughs> but seeing how you guys were so willing to, to, to be goofy and be crazy and be yourself and, and just invite the fans in, like allowed me to dig more into my personality and go, well, I don't have to necessarily fit into this box or I don't necessarily have to fit into this ideal because someone says I have to be that. You can ramp it up and you can have fun because at the end of the day, no matter what happens, the basis of what we do is essentially to have fun. Exactly. Uh, you, you touched on, uh, and I know this is something that Kofi I'm sure was going to get into, but uh, Kofi becoming WWE champion. And I was actually just re-watching uh, your call and I think and I saw so much reaction to, and obviously there were, there were a lot of elements that, that made that feel so special, but you were a massive part of that. And not just the night that Kofi won the title, but the buildup as well. Uh, can you talk more about how you, I feel like in, in many ways you kind of, you and in, in this Kofi story just kind of aligned really well and you attached yourself as being the voice of that story. And I think what you guys, you almost kind of are like um, referees where like great referees are the ones that kind of go unnoticed. And a lot of times you only get people talking about you guys when you mess up or there's some kind of controversy. And sometimes you don't get enough credit for, wow, that was an amazing call. But this was the one time where I remember people saying, wow, Sachs really made that moment. Can you talk more about, was it a conscious decision to say, this is, I'm going to make sure that I can tell this story throughout. And, and you, you nailed it on the night of as well. Uh, well, thank you, number one. I, I think for me, it was, just, it was just speaking from the heart. You know, it was seeing a guy like Kofi who had worked as long as he's worked and a guy who's been so ultra talented, but a guy who, you know, for a long time was only seen as, okay, he's, he's good, but he's not going to be there, you know? And you think he should be there and you believe he should be there, but for whatever reason, it just hasn't happened. And, and to get to a point where not only you see him climbing that ladder, but then you see the people are with him and they're with him on that journey every step of the way and culminating at WrestleMania. Like I'll never forget, like towards like the final, you know, final few minutes of that matchup, <laughs> I was feeling it so much to the point that my eyes like started getting watery, you know, because <laughs> I'm thinking back, like, I'll tell you, I'll give you one, one comparison here. If you think back to when Ron Simmons uh, won the WCW world title, I think it was like 92 ish uh, against Vader. And uh, when he won that world title, y'all probably remember that kid in the front row. He yeah, was going man. hysterical. Yeah. He's losing his mind. And when Kofi won that title, like it, it meant so much to me, but I also started thinking that there's a kid, probably thousands of kids who are reacting the same way because someone that looked like them achieved the greatest honor you could in our industry. And that, in, in that moment just overwhelmed me with so much emotion. Yeah. I, I mean, man, uh, gosh, I don't even know how to like begin to, to thank you for that moment, Saxton, because, you know, and, and like, even like just talking about all like the history and everything, I'm like, I'm getting like emotional because uh, it all, I just feel like, you know, moments are, are special in and of themselves. But when you have somebody commentating on it, you're the narrator of exactly what is happening, you know? And, and that is so, so important because that can like, enhance the moment tremendously or it can make the moment, you know, be 
kind of unmemorable, depending on like which way you go with it, you know, your excitement uh, and, and the way that you just brought those genuine emotions and, and excitement. And I feel like you, you just encapsulated the moment just perfectly, you know, and, and I, it's like you brought so much to it, but at the same time, like didn't step on the moment. You know what I'm saying? Like, I, I don't know, man. I'm just, I'm just so grateful that you were able to capture it so well. And, and honestly, like just perfectly, just like legitimately perfectly, like what all the words that came out of your mouth were exactly what everybody was feeling. And you being the narrator, like you said, just not for that moment, but for the entire story, you know, it, it brought so much to the table because a lot of times people don't know like exactly what's going on and they need somebody to just tell them exactly what is going on and the way that you did it with the level of excitement that you did and just like the love in your voice. And it's just, it was like the ultimate icing on the cake. And I'm just so thankful that it was you that was the one to, to, to bring that to the table, you know, to, to that moment. You know what I mean? Like people even still to this day, it's hard to believe that that was like two, two years ago, you know? Uh, but it, it still feels like it was yesterday. And even to this day, like I still have people talking about how much that moment meant. And, and you just, you were like, I just like the icing on the cake, you know, like just the perfect icing on the perfect cake. And um, for me, it was my childhood dream that came true, you know, and, um, and you brought so much to it. You made it so much more special. You know, I don't think you get enough credit for what you did for me uh, at that moment. So I, I'm always indebted to you, man. Again, like going back from developmental and FCW and then just the uh, incarnations of the new day and us trying to find ourselves and you helping us out with that. And then you being there, it, like it couldn't have been anyone else but you. You know what I mean? It couldn't have been anyone else. You couldn't, no one else could have brought that level of emotion to the, uh, to the table that you did. So thank you. Thank you. Thank you so, so much for that, man. I'll, I'll never be able to thank you enough because a little, little kid Kofi wanted this moment and you, and you were the one that was able to just tie everything together in the most perfect way. And that moment will never be forgotten. So thank you, man. Thank you so much, dude. Just, I can't, I can't thank you enough. It was just amazing. You're, Amazing. you're, gonna, make me, you're gonna make me cry again. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I, you know, when you say that, it just, uh, I like to look at the big picture when it comes to life. And, uh, you know, we never know why we come into people's lives or why we interact with, with certain individuals. And I think it's just the coolest thing to know that back in 2007, walking into that warehouse, who would have ever imagined, right. you know, that I'd be calling your main event match at WrestleMania. It's just beautiful. That It's just a little circle of life sometimes. Circle so. of life. I want to get into this NXT business. <laughs> I need to hear the things you had to do when you were on NXT, the old school NXT. Oh, yeah, random, right. These random games. Yep. All that stuff. Nobody will ever know. Yes. Brother, I, was some of that. I pride myself on keeping my stress level low, but if there was ever an anxiety-inducing time in my career, it was NXT. Because <laughs> you literally showed up having no idea like what they were going to do, whether it was... It could be a trivia contest one week, uh, karaoke the next, uh, carrying a beer keg, uh, yeah. capture the flag. Like it was, and, and like guys legit got hurt 
because you didn't know you thought here you are all these years in developmental training to wrestle. And now you're like, you know, sprinting against other guys that test your speed and, you know, wheel around a horns wobble in a wheelbarrow. Like <laughs> what? You know? And I remember, uh, the funny part is, uh, so after, cause I was part of season four and I remember talking to, to one of the guys, um, and we were like, man, thank God that's over. Yeah. <laughs> thank God it's over. And, and not even five minutes later, John Laurinaitis approaches us as we walk out of the locker room and he goes, uh, Hey guys, uh, great news for you. We're doing another season. And I'm like, it's like that dreadful moment. Like, no, not again. But I'll tell you what, there's always, there's always a silver lining. There's always a positive and like as unpredictable as that time frame was, you know, it, it taught you how to roll with the punches, you know, because you couldn't prepare because they wouldn't let you prepare. And, and just, it was hard because you were new on the road. Like you're trying to fit in in the locker room as it is, you know, as a new guy and then everyone, you know, it is like everyone's judging what you're doing, but you know, I was able to survive it somehow. <laughs> Not yeah, yeah. man. It, it's so, it's so weird watching because I feel like you have the people who are watching in the back and like, whether it's the keg carrier, like you said, the wheelbarrow with hornswoggle and stuff. And like some people like trying to, to genuinely like give advice on like how they would have done it. It's like, what are you no, talking about, yeah. man? No, dude, no. You know, even training and wheeling a hornswoggle in a <laughs> exactly. wheelbarrow. Like, yeah. it's a soda. That's a- Kofi might, because. <laughs> <laughs> I'll be the only one. Yeah, everybody would. It's like, yeah. <laughs> It's a soda chugging contest, bro. It's a soda, like actual So The thing is like, that, that gets me about that season because I was actually, um, pros, 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 yeah. yeah. So Michael McGillicuddy, AKA yeah, uh, yeah. Joe Hannig, you know, was, yeah. was, my, uh, was my, my guy, I was the pro. Uh, he was the rookie, which is what? Like, how, how, is, he the, how is he the rookie? Wait, what? No. Uh, so, but like, they had no idea of like what was going to happen. But the thing is, is that like the people, like it didn't translate. So I feel like, it was never quite appreciated by the fans because th- you think, oh, well, oh, it's part of the show. Oh, okay. Well, here's the part where they get to chug all this soda. And they don't, it's like, no, dude. Like they had no idea what <laughs> they were doing. Oh. On national television, on oh. international television, you're going out there with the zi- no, you're just no idea. No, not even, not even an inkling of what you're supposed to be doing, what you're supposed to be doing well what you're supposed to be doing well. You have no idea. So I just feel like, man, that season was something like that will never be appreciated as much as it should be. Oh, no, I mean, another chapter. <laughs> Wrote down that chapter, survived it. Yeah. <laughs> it's, yeah, it's, it's, it's one thing to be like, oh, you know, I'm on the road. I'm going out. I'm having like my first match on TV. Like, obviously, like, like you're nervous. But you, you, you know what to expect. Wrestling is wrestling. Wherever you do it, like a bigger ring, smaller ring, whatever. Like, it's wrestling. So like... What was it like that first day that you showed up and you don't know what you're doing until like you're doing it pretty much? So part of me was excited because I, you know, I, I was on the road prior as a commentator. So I was like, okay, cool. Like I get to be seen as a wrestler. Um, but you're not really seen the way you want to be seen because now, oh shoot, I got to tap into my, uh, my wrestling knowledge now. Cause I have to remember what happened in 1985 <laughs> uh, <laughs> me right now on the spot. And I remember we did it. We did a trivia competition. I know this, I know wrestling trivia. Then they ask you something and you're on the spot and the whole crowd staring at you and you're just dumbfounded and you go, no, no, I'm really smarter than you think. You don't understand. I would have got it right. You know? I remember, uh, um, <laughs> uh, Connor from Ascension, like he was, he was out there with me and we were doing a contest about, uh, which towns had hosted WrestleMania. 
And again, just with the nerves kicking in and everything. <laughs> so they were asking, they were asking what town hosted WrestleMania, but he thought the question was, who was the host of WrestleMania? So like, you know, the, the question gets posed to Connor, like, hey, uh, uh, what city hosted WrestleMania 13? And he goes, Pee Wee Herman. <laughs> and I'm like, wait a minute, did I hear the question wrong? Maybe I need to start thinking about hosts. Oh no, so I start freaking out because he misheard the question. <laughs> curveball like a curveball. Unnecessary. Unnecessary. Unnecessary stress. Why? That's why I'm balding up here. <laughs> 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 Got a full head of hair. Yeah. I used to get anxiety because I was in FCW at the time, and I think I heard like a rumor or two that I was going to be on the next mm-hmm. season, and I just prayed. I prayed, and somehow because it's, it can be hard to to overcome that bad first impression. Oh yeah. And I know with me, I was still pretty green, and whatnot, but I would just come back. You guys would come back uh, at times and would tell us these horror stories. Because, you know, for the most part, what we what we try to do or should try to do in this industry is you play to talent strengths and you try to make them look as good as possible. And that's that's what we do. But to have this not even like, hey, we'll throw any possible pro wrestling challenge at you where you might have a match with, you know, Hornswoggle or Kali. But it's not just that. But we can throw legitimately any kind of challenge we want at you with no preparation, no, no warm up, no. And uh, yeah, I take my hat off to you guys because I would legit, I couldn't just watch and enjoy it. I would watch thinking of myself in that same position. Mm-hmm. And I, I think back, there's so many memorable moments with the show. I think back to Eli Cottonwood and oh, his mustache man. promo. Mustache. <laughs> yeah. uh, we're talking I, about it. I love Eli. We still talk uh, from time to time. Uh, great dude. Uh, I think of Titus's iconic He's make it a win. Make it a win. Oh, my, I was in the ring for that. Oh, you were? I was in the ring for that, man. I remember it because I was in there and uh, <laughs> you could just see Titus's lip like start to quiver, you know? <laughs> so well, I say, if you're going to make it a fight, make it a fight. And if you're going to make it a win, and his lip just... <laughs> and then somebody in the crowd goes, make it a win. He goes, make it a win. There you go. And then just, oh my God. I just, I, I want to say that was in either Orlando or Tampa, because I'm pretty sure I was backstage for that. I think they had a bunch of FCW talent. I think it was somewhere in Florida, I want to say. Um, but I remember being backstage for that one and just thinking, that poor And the thing about it is, what does any of it have to do with how good of a WWE superstar you're going to be? Nothing. I can chug soda really fast. That's going to make me world champ. What? what? Like, none of it. I can carry a barrel around, a a keg around the ring really quickly. Or potato sack race, boy. (laughs) That's going to make me a great wrestler. Shine that IC title up for me. What are we doing? What are we doing? I remember too, like it would be hard because you would do something on TV that week that you were embarrassed by, but then I still had to go back to FCW and face all the boys. <laughs> so I'm like, maybe uh, calling sick, uh, not feeling too well, no. you know? You better be in promo uh, class that Wednesday morning so we can roast you. Oh. <laughs> but the thing is, like, like he was saying, like we would watch it and we were all terrified and then E, we're, we were on the season that didn't happen. Oh, that's right. I yeah. completely forgot. So, we actually shot some stuff. So yeah. this, this real fear that, that Byron has been explaining, like that's, that fear was like the, the anxiety that we had watching because we knew like we could be next. And then eventually, and, and then we would see like when you guys would come back on Wednesdays, how like it was like, oh. <laughs> 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 just walking slow, just scared. You don't, like, don't make any sudden movements around you because you're all teary. <laughs> 
but like there was a there was a season that never aired and uh i think one was like generational all the guys who were like second or third generation and then it was like those of us who were like the they're like the upstarts or whatever they called us and we filmed everything and all of us the whole day we were filming we we're like please 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 don't let the season happen please we're so scared we're so scared um so okay so there's there's some nxt stuff uh but now to get deeper into your brain as a human person the time that we're talking right now right now it's almost halloween mm. and byron if there's one thing i know about you I know that you love some Halloween. Yes, sir. <laughs> yes, sir. You're speaking my heart. <laughs> Time to get some scares. <laughs> it's actually, so I love haunted houses. Love haunted houses. And the one tough part about the sign of the times right now is that we're not touring. And so I can't visit haunted houses like all over the country like I usually would do. But that is my thing, man. Like now, even I've, I've, I feel disappointed in myself because I've only knocked out two haunted houses. <laughs> and because and, yeah, now I'm like, okay, well, what are the safety guidelines? What are they doing here? Is this thing okay? But uh, I've got a, I've got a few more haunts like on my, on my schedule. Um, you know, I'll be hitting <laughs> up Bush Gardens. I'll be, I'll be hitting up Screamageddon. I actually, so it's my life goal uh, one day to actually create and host a haunted house for the public. Oh, that's K. I dig we can, it. We can do that next yeah. year. We can do that I, next year. I mean, it could be. It could be in the works for next year. <laughs> Need some zombies in there. You, you let a brother know. Yeah. Well, I'll tell you. I'll I mean, come in there. <laughs> I'll come in there with the claws and the zombie the zombie stride, you know? Yeah. yeah see, I got my strobe lights. I got my inflatable pumpkin outside the house already. Like, I'm, <laughs> I'm slowly taking those steps. You know, I got a fog machine, you know, and, uh, you know, get a few trustworthy actors, and I'm going to make it happen. You watch. What will you call it? I'll give you guys a fast pass too. Don't worry. Thank oh, you. Yeah. Thanks. Yeah, yeah. Appreciate I it. got you. I got Thanks, you. Zach. Uh, Appreciate you, Zach. We'll call it Saxton Scares. Saxton Ooh. Scares. Ooh. Ooh. I like the alliteration. I love alliteration. Ooh. Yes. <laughs> Where did this love of Halloween stem from? Um, uh, it actually so it came from my ex girlfriend. I always liked Halloween. She was, was huge on going on houses. So I was like, okay, cool. This is a fun little endeavor for us. And I just fell in love with the experience. And. I, it, the weird part for me is that I legit get scared. Like I, I've had clowns corner me and chase me. Uh, I've been I've been tackled by children dressed up as zombies. Like it's gotten pretty rough, you know, to the point where when I travel around to these different haunted houses, I'll try to tailgate like another couple or another family, you know, because I don't like being alone. <laughs> but then you go to some of these houses where they like make it a point to separate you, and of course. Look at me, I'm the big target, not the eight-year-old in front of me. So they go and grab me, pull me into another room. And it's just, I get out of there and I drop about 10 pounds worth because I've been sweating so much. But it's like, it's an adrenaline rush, but I'm still scared out of my mind. Makes yeah. no sense, but I'm addicted to it. You know? <laughs> the first time I heard you talk about him, so I didn't realize, so like, uh, we've talked about this uh, before. So as we travel, like I go to every arcade bar that I can find, wherever we are in the world. I had no clue that you were the same exact way with haunted houses. <laughs> and so yeah. like, you came up to me one time like, Hey, uh, what are you doing tonight? I'm like, oh, I'm doing this thing. Like, okay. Well, I'm going to hit this haunted house. If you change your mind. Okay, cool. Then the next week, same thing. Well, I'm going to, I'm going to hit two different ones. If you want to come, <laughs> what? And then next week, goes, okay. So in this town, there's two. And then this one, there's three. So if we hit this one, like early in the day before the show, then we hit this one after then we hit the next one. Like, the day before. like what you've like mapped this out. Like, <laughs> Oh Yeah. I can't tell you how many times, like, uh, you know, if I was, let's, let's say I'm doing SmackDown at the time 
And, you know, we'd get off the air at 10 o'clock and I'd be calling ahead and I'd be like, hey, what time do you close? <laughs> oh, we close at 1030. Is there any way you can stay open a little bit later? I'm here in town. I'm doing a WWE show. I'm going to rush over there. And I would get there with like five <laughs> minutes to spare. But I like I, to your point, I mapped it out so precisely that I would get there and still be able to enjoy the hunt. <laughs> <laughs> the hunt. Priorities. <laughs> That's Halloween talk for you, Kofi. Call them hunts. Hunts. Okay. Yeah, no okay. I was, I was a privy to the language. I was a privy to the lingo. Uh-huh. <laughs> you got to learn that if you're going to work the haunted house. No, on, you're now. right. You're right. You're right. Yeah, yeah. Let me uh, stop laughing. Let me stop laughing. You're right. I'm going to write that down. Very serious times. Very serious times. So is this a thing, like, has it, has it grown to a love of all of Halloween or just, like, specifically haunted houses? Are you into, like, you know, g- getting good candy for trick-or-treaters that might come around and things like that? Like, or is it, is it specifically... Ha, the houses. So it's always been the houses because with our schedule, I haven't been home on Halloween, you know, for at least the last five years. And I'm actually, I'm conflicted because this year I I'm looking forward to giving out candy, but then I'm like, well, how can I do it in a safe way? Like, do I get a slingshot or something and start popping <laughs> out quest bars to, to kids? <laughs> quest bars? Yeah. Why the little kid wants a quest bar? Oh, come on. We have to set a good example. You know that. I'm like, <laughs> you're, you're talking about candy and stuff. <laughs> <laughs> They're good. Quest bars are good. Come on now. <laughs> you know, they got the keto, like, good keto bars, peanut butter flavored, really good stuff. People just don't know. Yeah, so I got I to gotta, I gotta navigate that part, but I'm looking forward to giving out candy or snacks or some sort of nutritional item to the kids. Yeah. I like the catapult, maybe a 10-foot pole with a net, oh. too. You can extend through your door. That's another option. Yeah, it is. Yeah. yeah. Like yeah. A little mailbox. Put like a little uh, uh, portable uh, hand sanitizer in there, too. Wrap them up Ooh, together. You know what I'm saying? Nice. Yes. Hand sanitizer and the candy. Yes. So I, nice. I was thinking about, like, some people just put the bucket out there with the candy and say, take, mm. you know, take one. I'm going, well, that's not sanitary. Can't do that but, anymore. But if I just get like a hundred Ziploc bags, right, and put the snacks in there that are already pre-wrapped, then you provide some extra safety for the kids out there. Oh, extra layer. Or, what's the um the thing for like for pets where you can have the uh, the little the treat dispenser and you can oh, do it with your phone? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> when you see the kids come up on at it, I'll get you one. Yeah, it's not Halloween. He's just using your app from your couch. Oh, someone's at the door. This is not the way Halloween was supposed to be. It's a new age Halloween, okay? Time. How we do it in 2020. Do they actually have to paw at it? I just imagine Sacks at his door. Bark for me. Oh, you better bark. Yeah. Bark can't better bark. <laughs> See, oh, but we're no. teaching our kids that discipline. Was... That's all. All right. Yeah. You may not do things in life that you want to do, but if you get through them and get through that adversity, you become a better person on the other side. But nothing's free. Nothing's free. Kid. Candy, you better bark. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> <laughs> and, then, and then carry this keg around my house one time. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Learn from the pro. <laughs> Can I have the candy I get my, pro, now? my old pro Yoshitatsu out here. Hey, Yoshitatsu. Oh, Yoshitatsu. We need to have him on the podcast. Well, I'd be remiss if we didn't. Uh, we, we we need to have like official music for our last segment. <laughs> you want to go into it? Uh, <laughs> All right, playoff. We right. Um, for some reason we've ended up talking about. Uh, potty talk and and bathroom behaviors for the last several uh, podcasts. And for some reason, it's very fascinating to us. So uh, we kind of, our our entry into the conversation was us asking 
people. There's some people who will fold the toilet paper. Um, that's you can't, the component. You can't, you can't give them the types. You got to just let them explain it. It's going well, to come to mind. Okay. We, we would like to know what your technique is with your toilet paper use. Call it up like a snowball. Oh, Call it! Come on. There was Who that's Who what I told you. Uh, you see, I told you. That's what? what I, that's the connection, bro. That's but the you connection. Only, you can only Baller. do one. You can get one wipe out of a ball, and then like you're uh, you're you're not using eighty percent of the toilet paper. You don't need to. Hey. You need to try to convince him. Okay. He's wax so on, wax off. You take your time. Okay. You enjoy the process. Trust the process. That's what I'm yeah. talking about. See, Woods and I, we I fold. We fold. Uh, you got the oddballs. What? I feel like no. most people fold. That, that's what I would say too. But then when we asked everybody in the locker room, it was we found like seven different ways to wipe. So it also see what you don't realize is that by balling up like a snowball, you also enhance your grip strength. Sir? Sir? Excuse me? You're right. You know that, dude. Please explain. Right. Please explain. You know that, that dude. Please, Please explain. Huh? Avoid that carpal tunnel. Okay. So you, you squeeze it, you ball yeah. it, and then you squeeze it? Yeah. Big, it'll build big forearms. You do that for a year, man, they won't even recognize you. You see it? See, it's the look at my forearm. <laughs> All right, that's some ball in the toilet paper. That's a ball right there. It's just paper, paper, though. You, yeah. think you're, you think you're strong now, E? Imagine how strong you could be. Uh-huh. Well, I was I, I was getting strong when I was when I would hover because I'm also that's another question. When I'm in public, I try not to go, but I hover. So you just you just sit in a good squat, and that if you want to talk about building strength, you hover. I'm just saying, good leg strength. That's that's unnecessary stress on the quads. Oh wow! You just sit right on there. <laughs> yeah. You put you no, make well, a nest or anything? You, 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 no, you you make sure you you cover it first. Obviously, oh, it's yeah. a nest. You you make, make a nest out there? Yeah. My man, you see? Do you see the connection now? Now do you see the connection? This is why everything makes sense, bro. It had to be you. That's what I was saying. (laughs) It had to be you. I I didn't even know this until now. We were both ballers back in the day, using the bathroom in FCW at separate times, both balling at separate times, not knowing that years later, here you are calling a match for me to become the WWE World Heavyweight Champion. You know, a baller. That's, golly. Wow. We're the bald eagles of this group. Bald make eagles. Make your own nest. That's right. You make a nest. And you fly. Yeah. Golly. <laughs> Y'all better get some wings, bro. Uh-huh. Y'all want to fly? <laughs> Y'all want to fly? Y'all want to stay on the ground? We're going to soar. <laughs> we trying to soar up in the sky. <laughs> so here's, here's my issue, and I've said this many times, with building a nest is sometimes... You move around a little bit. Your cheeks slide around. Isn't there times when when your your bare butt is exposed to the porcelain? You know you don't have a good nest. How much toilet paper are you using for your? That's nest? a lot of paper. Don't judge the cost. Too much. Don't, don't judge, judge the, the cost. cost. <laughs> okay, of the process. It's worth right? it. You it's got a nest, it. but at what cost? You invest in like yourself. Like half a roll. You invest in yourself. Okay, that's a philosophy. Mm-hmm. Invest in yourself. Invest in a nest. That's a shirt. So then here's a question, and I know this is going to just knock it into left field. So when you talk about E getting as many napkins as he needs, is that not investing in himself mm. to get as many napkins yeah, as he needs? That's, that's so the, we got to let Saxon in. Was, yes. Okay. Yes. Okay. We got to let Saxon in. Um, this, uh, and I don't want to rehash this whole thing, but Kofi got on me because I would tend from fast food places. I would like to, on the road, I would collect a lot of napkins. I don't want to rehash this. We've, we've talked about this ad nauseum, but that's why we're referencing the napkins. Well, I, here's the thing. As long as you're utilizing those napkins for a solid purpose, because I, you know, if I go to a restaurant, I always bring uh, a number of extra napkins because I know I'm going to utilize them perhaps in the car. 
uh, perhaps at home, or if you have an emergency, which I've been in that case before, where maybe you have to take care of some business and you don't have toilet paper, so you have to look for a second option. Do you feel like that's stealing? Because you're going and taking the napkins from the uh, the food facility that is meant for the food and you're using them for something else? Like if you needed napkins for uh, extra <laughs> anything else but your food, you would probably go and buy them, right? Ordinarily, but... I mean, do you feel like that's stealing theft? It, it would be stealing, Larceny. It would be stealing if they were a sign that indicated that these napkins are to only be used for the consumption of food. Uh, wow. They, wow. They got to specify. The official. The official. I mean, okay. they got signs for everything else. Okay. Yeah, right. They exactly. Specify. Exactly. So they, if they don't have a sign that says, hey, th these chairs are not meant for taking, you're liable. You can take the chairs too from the restaurant. Well, you use some common yeah. sense too. But I mean, legitimately, you, you should have a sign that says that. You should. Think about it. Why wouldn't you? Don't they write on coffee cups like at McDonald's and stuff? Like this cup of coffee is hot. The liquid uh -huh. is hot because somebody yeah. spilled on themselves and was like, "Wait, what? It's hot." Uh -huh. What a reach, by the way, to go to chairs. Like you could just why not? Why not? Why by that logic, you got to have a sign for what you can't, what you can't take from the restaurant, right? So you can, you could just, you could take all. You can, you can go back there and just and take the uh, the the uh, the the pots and pans. You know, they don't have, there's no sign. There's no sign that says you can't walk in the store and take these pots and pans out. I mean, you walk in the store, you pay for a meal. That means you can have whatever you want. Hey, listen, listen, okay? Why do you buy health insurance? To protect yourself against something going wrong, correct? Yes. So you would buy a sign to protect your items <laughs> from uh, being removed wow. against your wow. will. It only it's makes the sense. same concept. <laughs> there we go. It only makes there sense. We go. <laughs> And that's and on that, Kobe, on that, I think you need to reevaluate reevaluate some life decisions. I was with you, Saxton. Which was with you. We still got our nets. We still we yeah. we're still flying. Hey, like eagles, right? We still fly. We still, still fly. That's right. That's it's okay. Right. <laughs> I don't like it. And that will be our end. That will be our end. Yes, Thank sir. you, Saxton, for being on. Thank you, guys. Appreciate you, Saxton. Thanks, Saxton. Where can they find you on socials? Uh, so on Instagram, I am at official Byron Saxton, and on Twitter, I am at Byron Saxton. Nice. Uh, you can catch me on the Twitter and Instagram at Austin Creed Wins. Catch the YouTube channel up, up, down, down on the YouTubes uh, or Instagram and Twitter up, up, down, and without the O's. Check out UUDDshop.com for all your up, up, down, down apparel. You can catch me on Twitter at True Kofi and catch me on the Instagram at The True Kofi. I am at WWE Biggie on Twitter and on Instagram, but it's really honestly a waste of time to follow me or to peruse my content because I'm uninspired these days. I don't really have anything to add to the conversation. I don't really have a desire to post. Nothing has come to me. Uh, so it's really a waste of time. No waste of time. And you know, you know the whole bit too. If you follow me, unfollow me because I don't need your pity follows. I don't want them. You think I care about your numbers? What's your numbers doing <laughs> for the quality of my life? You know what I mean? <laughs> what you doing for me? That does nothing for me. You know what I mean? I don't need your validation. I don't want it. Take it back. Take your validation from me. I want to see all my numbers plummet. Wow. Next time, as soon as this, as soon as this podcast drops, I want to check my phone and say, "Oh, I lost half my followers." Good. <laughs> That's what I want. Thank you. Also, uh, you can find our podcast shirt at WWE Shop. You can find the New Day Charity Tea. Uh, the link is on my Twitter. It's the pin tweet, and it's in my Instagram bio. The proceeds go to the NAACP Legal Defense Fund. Yes, yes, and thank you so much for listening. Make sure you share with your friends, your amigos. Tell them how much you love this episode with the one and only Byron Saxton and Sax. tell them 
They can download this podcast wherever they listen to their podcast. Just go to the search bar, type in New Day, click the pink picture with three black guys' face on it. That's your boys. Yes, Nick, I forgot. I'm sorry, I forgot. Watch go, 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 Laser go. Wolf 2. Watch Laser Wolf. It's on HBO it Max. Is. Season 2 coming soon. And your boys might all make an appearance or something, but I don't know. We got some, we got some special for you, Season 2. Watch Laser Wolf. It's coming on Adult Swim. Thank you. Yeah. And if you're listening on the Apple, Make sure you give us that five-star review because it helps your boys out. But again, last time, big thank you to Byron Saxon for being on today. Thank you. Thank you, guys. Appreciate you, man. My pleasure. Thank you, bro. Catch you guys next week. G3 Assistance through Virginia's community colleges is your pathway to a new future, helping those who qualify pay for school and train for the right career. Right where you are, right now. Get a skill. Get a job. Get ahead. You can learn more at vccs.edu forward slash G3.